hot, hot take and shock. <laughs> Stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. It's our first one post the Super Bowl. My heart is less broken now. So, hey, we got Connor here. We got Ronan. Hello. And we got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? How's it all down in Cork? Are you all bored, senseless with your lockdowns? Yes. It's one day after another, and they're all the exact same. And feeling this lockdown a lot more than I think the previous two. And there's no, there's no football or sports ball for a sort of I do have soccer last night they had a like, they actually won a game <laughs> oh, I just remember when we were cover, when we were talking about this last year we were like ah what's the point Liverpool are done they've lost six home games in a row in the league but they're into the quarterfinals of the Champions League so they're somehow one okay. of the worst teams in England but also one of the best teams in Europe to be fair it's because England's not in Europe anymore what about yourself with the court uh, you? Yeah, yeah, pretty similar, but getting my walks in, working away from home, so happy enough. I'm mm. currently doing a big review of all the possible things that go into the main software we sell at my company, and uh, up to around 400 or so items at this point, so plenty of work for the future okay. and future releases. Any any exciting fun ones, like, um, I don't know, at a, at a timer function? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, nothing fun to a general audience, um, unless you want to hear what, more what about, about it. Um so, so, social media integration that you can like automatically tweet your results from every regression. <laughs> maybe maybe have integration with LinkedIn to annoy people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm similar. It's quiet enough. Busy in work, but yeah, there's not much doing. Going like running a little bit, which is uh, fun yet also bad because my legs don't like it. And going for beers in the park because that's the height of going out these days. We should probably swing into the news as there's a lot it's been a while since we spoke to the listeners last so there's quite a bit for us to get through quick clean up of bits after the Super Bowl awards the ones that we picked correctly for the most part apart from Sean did pretty well at the back end uh, MVP uh, was Aaron Rodgers after a great one me and Ronan had Mahomes and Sean had Wilson deserving winner of this uh, Offensive Player of the Year Derek Henry we didn't make predictions for this because it's just a made up award it's, it's just it's just normally the MVP minus QBs. But yeah, Derrick Henry was pretty good. I, I don't know, I think there's probably shouts for a few others in there, but it's a bullshit award anyway. Uh, you know, over 2,000 yards, I think, you know, if you do that, you'll probably deserve to get at least something oh, yeah. out of it. Oh no, he, he was great. I just think that he probably deserved an award that we rank as an actual award instead of uh, this. <laughs> Defensive Player of the Year, Aaron Donald. Uh, two of you guys had him, I went with Garrett. But yeah, like it's a pretty safe bet every year to just say Aaron Donald's probably going to win this award. <laughs> hey, hey, it's a very brave choice, I think. You know, we, we really went out brave. there with this one. <laughs> yeah. Then we had Offensive Rookie of the Year. It was Justin Herbert. Me and Ronan had Burrow. Sean had Herbert. Yeah, Herbert looked great in the, particularly the back end of the year. Big surprise. I think Burrow, because he got injured, fell out of this race, but was probably in there up until the injury. I totally predicted that injury. That's why I picked uh, Herbert. I was like, <laughs> yeah, Burrow's going to look good, but then he's going to get injured, and then Herbert's going to look fantastic. Herbert's, uh, Herbert's fun, though, although, as we discussed beforehand, there'll be some swip swaps happening in offensive coordinator and stuff like that, so hopefully it's all good. Defensive Rookie of the Year, it was Chase Young. Sean had Chase Young. Uh, me and Ron had Patrick Queen. Yeah, just good performance from him. To be honest, the only reason I wasn't going for Young was I didn't think Washington footballs would uh, be good enough to be able to get him seen, and uh, they were, and they made the playoffs, and yeah, 
Yeah, he had a couple of standout performances in the back half of the season that helped him out, but uh, it wasn't. Ex- I don't think there was anyone who kind of blew everyone away like this is the future Hall of Famer. But Chase Young, he's given his skills and his talent probably the closest this season. Coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski got it for Cleveland. We didn't have any predictions on that one. No, it was a, it was a very good year for Cleveland. I can totally see why this happened. Yeah, but he wasn't there for that playoff game and they still won. So how good was he really, you know? <laughs> that is that is true. It still baffles me that the NFL have such strict regulations that he couldn't have just been calling into the sideline. Like, I don't, yeah. Uh, look, that's a conversation for another time. And come, comeback player of the year, we all call this one right. Uh, Alex Smith, uh, Washington quarterback. He, you know... Former Washington uh, quarterback now. For, yes, yes, former. We'll be coming to that. Former Washington quarterback. <laughs> Yeah, on his uh, makeshift new leg and uh, did pretty well. Got them to the playoffs and all that. So, uh, fun times. We had the Hall of Fame class. Well, just one too quickly. Peyton Manning, Charles Wilson, Calvin Johnson, Drew Pearson, Alan Fenneca, Bill New, Scott Lynch and Tom Flores. I think the only one maybe that was a big question mark here was the Calvin Johnson of, yes, he was the best in his position, but he didn't play for a full career and all that kind of stuff. And this kind of answers the question of well is that enough it clearly is this is a pretty nice looking class overall yeah the only other one that I flagged I was talking to Ronan beforehand was, was John Lynch it was kind of surprising he retired I looked it up there uh, in 2008 so it took him 13 years to get into the Hall of Fame I remember him vaguely having one really good season when they won when the Bucks won their last Super Bowl in 2003 but I think a lot of it was the fact that he was the white guy. He was the good white defensive guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, therefore, he stood out and everyone talked him up. But I'm um, surprised it took this long for him to get the nod. I suppose sticking around doing commentary and then becoming a GM is, is the path to getting into the Hall of Fame. If, you're, if your career isn't quite good enough that you keep sticking around and people know your name. Yeah, yeah you're able to accumulate the votes then from a couple of different sides. So it's uh, handy enough. Obviously, Manning there, horrible piece of shit person, but very good quarterback uh, Woodson very fame yeah like it's, it's a very good overall crew and just a couple of hiring bits uh, Green Bay have hired LA Rams linebacker coach Joe Barry to be their defensive coordinator obviously they tried to put a lot of blame onto the defensive side of the ball firing their defensive coordinator uh, so this is their new hire they seem to be continuing this uh, trend of let's just go and hire all of the defensive staff away from the Rams and uh, hope they do as well without Aaron Donald. Yeah, I think this guy, his record isn't as good, so I don't know if they just duped themselves by it. So, well, he's from the Rams, but he was also on like that Lions team that went 0-16, so I don't know how, <laughs> uh, I don't know how, how much research they did. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like that'd be good. Uh, you know, prep for a DC. How do you how do you defend the indefendable? Uh, <laughs> Minnesota have promoted QB coach Clint Kubiak to uh, to mm. OC. I don't know why anyone. If your surname starts with a K, you would give your child a name that starts with a K as well. You're in dangerous territory. <laughs> you have to check the middle name here. It's Alexander, so <laughs> we're, we're safe. <laughs> like this isn't that interesting, but obviously he's he's uh, Kubiak's son, uh, the elder Kubiak. Gary. So obviously that just indicates it's probably a continuity decision, so they'll be sticking with the same offense. Fair enough. So we've got some non-free agency news, I suppose. We'll try and fly through a few of these bits. Trevor Lawrence, one of the kind of uh, top prospects, is going to have off-season surgery on the labrum of his non-throwing arm. Expected to be back for training camp. Shouldn't be too much of an issue. Yeah, I think he's still projected number one and still expected to have a great career, so I don't think anyone's expecting this will damage his prospects. Uh, maybe yeah. playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars would probably have a bigger impact on his, uh, <laughs> his ability than anything else. 
could well be crime and punishment. What are they doing? Probably felonies. This case, probably felonies. Kansas City assistant coach Brett Reed. This was actually from the days before the Super Bowl, but uh, it was kind of only brought up at the last moment, so we didn't get it on our preview show. Coach Reed's son, Brett Reed, is under investigation following a car accident where two children were injured. One was seriously. The reports are the family want to pursue serious charges. From my understanding, one of the kids ended up in a coma. I believe a history of uh, alcohol abuse for Brett Reed, who I think the last incident had been about 10 years ago, but this would be concerning as this would suggest that he'd fall back off that wagon. Yeah, probably an underplayed narrative that this may have impacted some of uh, the coaching in the Super Bowl. As you can imagine, if you have a, a son who's fallen off the wagon, put a child in the hospital and you have to fire them the day before the Super Bowl, that might play on your mind a little bit. Thankfully, I believe the child has come out of the coma, so that's mm. a big plus. But yeah, this is just, it's a pretty sad story, to be honest. Yeah, I think, as you mentioned, there's been a history of uh, issues... With Britt Reid and obviously his father, Andy Reid, the, the head coach, has mm. you know, tried to do the best by them and try and give them uh, you know, stable employment. But uh, obviously in this case, he, he made a very severe mistake that nearly cost the life of a, of a young girl. Uh, thankfully, as you said, that it looks like that they will both be fine. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think if, if alcohol was involved, which all the reports indicate there was then, yeah, this isn't something we'd accept from a player and it's not something you'd accept from a coach. It's an interesting issue, um, just as an aside, we'll probably talk about it at some point in the off-season, but uh, apparently there's quite a prevalence of this. With, so Andy Reid is um, Mormon and apparently there's quite a prevalence of this with uh, Mormon families because there's such an, uh, an all-or-nothing approach to indulgence that basically if there's any kind of substance stuff it becomes because it's kind of like any no no alcohol no coffee all that kind of stuff that the the all or nothingness of it uh, can sometimes lend itself to having more problems with dealing with these things later on which uh, is interesting Ooh, maybe else. alcoholism is a health issue not a moral issue yeah. <laughs> hot, hot, hot take a shock on to controversy corner, uh, Houston president uh, Jamie Roots, or as I was calling him on the pregame, Jamey Rutez, uh, resigns after 20 years with the Texans. He says a long-term desire to move on. It just happens to come at the same time as a load of firings and discontent within the organization, both on and off the field, and the superstar quarterback wanting to leave, and them getting rid of all their talent, and uh, mm. apparently some kind of scary, like... Priest Sven Galley, chaplain type, taking over everything from the inside out. Uh, it just it just happens to happen at the same time. It's it, it, it's just coincidence. Yeah, it's it could happen anytime. This is just a big old set of coincidences, and nothing is wrong in Texas right now, and everyone's having a grand old time. <laughs> Jeez, would you look at the time? I guess I better resign from my job of twenty years. <laughs> Oh man, it's, 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 it's getting ugly over there. I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, from the signs of it, the whole, this whole thing with everything going on, especially the Watson thing, which we'll talk about in free agency preview, but uh, it's going to go on for a lot longer than we would hope and want, but uh, it is what it is, I suppose. Jacksonville, who now have the you know first overall pick, they picked up Urban Meyer, they're ready to go, have not even made it to the draft without hitting some controversy. They hired strength coach Chris Doyle, who then had to resign one day later because of reports of him causing injuries with his practice methods and racist comments that he made at Ohio State. I presume Jacksonville were hoping that Urban Meyer, when he got to the to the big leagues, would stop having all these scandal things happening around him. But uh, no, teams are going strong. 
this was it was such a stupid story because obviously this is a, you know in Ohio State he was with uh, with Urban Meyer and we know that Urban Meyer comes with some baggage himself in terms of the way he, he's interacted with players and what he's allowed players to do who, who he favoured so yeah to kind of just allow this to happen was a bit of an oversight kind of feels like Urban Meyer has a lot of pull in the organisation but uh, perhaps not enough to make this come across the line just yet hire any other coaches like just don't have this happen this quickly like for fuck one day like it took one day do they just have no one on vetting or social media or something to check these guys out in advance that's all it took <laughs> they're all vetting like social media posts about Trevor Lawrence at the moment it's, that's way more important <laughs> uh, well of course <laughs> do, you, uh, do, do you remember the film Draft Day yeah <laughs> oh I wonder I wonder if anyone went to Chris Doyle's birthday party <laughs> <laughs> God, oh, I need to rewatch that film. It was terrible. <laughs> uh, New Orleans are gonna fa- are probably gonna face discipline for COVID nineteen protocol breaches after evidence, including surveillance, has uh, turned up. And apparently, this relates directly to Kamara's positive test in December. But yeah, that they broke the rules, and now they're gonna face maybe uh, justice. Yeah, like this report came out a while ago, and yet we're still haven't heard about. But you know, you will probably find out that they'll get fined and maybe a pick or two to get, to get sticking off them. But I think, like, the NFL, uh, to a certain extent, I kind of think of it, it depends on how COVID-19, like, I think, based on how they're doing in vaccinations, maybe COVID-19 will be a, a very forgotten dream by the time the NFL season starts up again. But if it isn't, if it is in any way affects the off-season, I imagine they may feel a stronger need to to set a marker here because uh, the evidence was pretty damning in terms of Alvin Kamara basically going around doing whatever the hell he wanted and this is after New Orleans after being one of the least compliant teams during the season as well with numerous uh, breaking of the rules during the season as well. I for one am shocked that the Saints have been caught uh, breaking the rules. Uh, So so unlike this organisation to uh, to Sean, Sean, come on. Glass houses, buddy. Glass houses. Yes, exactly. Like I we, know. I know what a glass house looks like. <laughs> I, I can. I can spot one from a mile off. More like the New Orleans <laughs> sinners, am I right? Oh, <laughs> oh. yeah. So was based on the uh, punishments handed down to the Raiders. I suppose that's probably the template for what's going to happen here. But uh, we'll see. The thing with the Raiders is that it was a bit more visible with it being on Monday Night Football and at the height of the the kind of concern around this stuff. We'll go over to some miscellaneous bits and pieces as well before we move on to the free agency adventures. Marquise and Mike Pouncey retired together after 10 and 11 seasons. They had careers in Pittsburgh, Miami and the Chargers. Marquise had nine Pro Bowls and two All-Pros. Mike had five Pro Bowls. Very successful careers for the two brothers. Uh, as I understand it, not the nicest chaps in the world. Mm. Yeah, but uh, uh, were they were they were they the ones that were hanging out with Hernandez and all that shit, or am I thinking of the wrong ones? I think they they were friends with Hernandez. Well, yeah. So the pair of them has now retired. Uh, they've had some good seasons, great production on the field, and so on. That obviously be a bit of a loss, but you know, it's uh, impressive to have two brothers have that kind of longevity in their careers and both kind of. You know, as you say, four, 14 Pro Bowls and two All-Pros between them. Like, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, but their the performance over the last couple of years has, has dropped off a bit. I think they're both kind of going, well, they still have had something left in the tank. And uh, yeah, I think given their respective careers, they could be happy enough with the money and the accolades they did. And they could go on and do better things. Former Tampa Bay uh, wide receiver Vincent Jackson was found dead at 37. His body's found in a hotel room by police. There's been no cause given 
but reports mentioned that he had struggled with alcoholism. His family have donated his brain to CTE research, uh, obviously with some kind of belief that it might be linked to that. Very sad for a chap that young. Like I, I still remember drafting him in fantasy. This sounds to me like a textbook CTE case. It seems like the story that the NFL just can't seem to get rid of is there is always one of these seems to pop up every once in a while. Yeah, people who play football and then struggle with mental health stuff and then end up committing violence upon themselves or others, it's uh, usually only points in one direction. So um, it's very sad. Perhaps it's another lesson in the NFL in terms of push and safety and such like in the long run. No, of course. Um, former Cleveland, KC, Washington and San Diego coach uh, Marty Schottenheimer dies at 77 from complications from Alzheimer's, famous for uh, the shoddy ball and so on. He uh, had great success but was always the kind of up there but never quite making the final push kind of candidate for the most part but very well regarded by other coaches uh, very good track record uh, sad to see him go is, does he have sons play uh, involved in coaching at the moment yeah so I Brian Schottenheimer was the uh, Brian, yeah. was the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks and like yeah as you said my, my, like Schott, Marty Schottenheimer you know he had a really good win-loss record but never succeeded in the playoffs and by all accounts he was loved by players and he was loved by fans because you know he was generally dealing with franchises who didn't have like lots of success to hang their hats on so you know winning was you know anything was important for those teams and so he's well considered and well fought and you know will be missed um, going forward. And just for the Irish game, I suppose, just a small touch. We were all kind of expecting this. Nebraska versus Illinois was scheduled to be played at, I think, the first weekend in September in the Aviva. That's been cancelled. Hopefully, we will still see these games coming back over because I was quite looking forward to them. But uh, but yeah, so um, COVID obviously just means you can't be travelling transnationally and just bring a load of football players across because that'll be dumb as shit. Pre-free agency transactions... The cap has been set. It's 182.5 million. It's reduced from 198.2 in the last year. So this means that basically a lot of teams are going to be over the cap. They're going to have to cut players. You're going to have to restructure players. It's going to be difficult to try and get everyone in, which initially meant that there was not much movement in terms of franchise tags. And that was compounded by the fact that the actual cap figure came in late. But I'll just give you a quick fly through all the franchise tags and just say if there's anyone you want to talk about. Chris Godwin for Tampa Bay, Alan Robinson for Chicago. That's his second tags is being paid more. Leonard Williams for the Giants, Taylor Moten for the Carolina, Marcus May for the Jets, Marcus Williams for New Orleans, Cam Robinson for Jacksonville, Brandon Sheriff for Washington, that's his second tag, and Justin Simmons for Denver, and that's also his second tag. Now, with a lot of these, we can presume that they are trying to work on extensions. But do any of these stand out to us at all? Like, for Tampa Bay, I would think that, you know, if Godwin plays on this tag, that's a lot of money they have tied up in their wide receiver core. Yeah, they think they can get make this work. They're not in the worst cap situation, certainly compared to teams like the Saints. Um, so I think they're just working stuff out and they just basically don't want to give them a chance to sniff what might be out there in free agency. So I think it makes sense for them. They're obviously in the most win-now mode of any other team because they have Tom Brady and he's not going to play forever in theory um, so it made sense um, and Alan Robinson <laughs> he's going to live forever but look Alan Robinson is also an incredibly talented wide receiver um, I don't know if it makes as much sense for a team like Chicago which may or may not be in a rebuild depending who or may not they may end up trading for we'll talk about that later but uh, look he's talented enough to deserve the flag 
and Leonard Williams ends up making a lot of money based on a, a big comeback year with the Giants. Mm-hmm. The rest of these guys are mostly, you know, middling kind of guys. I think Marcus Williams and Cam Robinson were both surprises, especially Marcus Williams, considering that the New Orleans Saints are in cap hell. The rest of these guys are like solid enough players um, where teams probably had enough cap face to make it work for now, at least. For, for me, I think the big thing was that there was ex- expectations of Joe Tooney uh, from the Pats O-line would get tagged, but I think there's this huge money problem. Uh, even though the Pats have a lot of cap space, they, there's a lot of money being put into their O-line anyway, so that was the only thing from the Pats' point of view that they were talking about possibly um, being um, tagged. It's from also from the Pats' perspective, we are looking for a wide receiver, so to see both Godwin and Robinson being taken up the table would have been a, a disappointment. Um, but as we'll talk about, there's, there's a ton of talent still on the table at wide receiver. Extensions, we had a couple of interesting ones. Uh, Dallas have finally decided to pay Dak Prescott $160 million. I think he can get up to 164 with incentives. 126 guaranteed. It's four year. He's got a no trade clause. He's got a no tag clause. It immediately reminded me of Sean Watson's deal when he signed. Good kind of money up front. No ties beyond that point. Can't be held against his will. Works pretty well and then gets another bite at the apple that if he keeps playing as he is, he'll get a very nice contract in four years time anyway but yeah I think he's averaging something like 42 million for the first two or three years of this deal it's a pretty nice setup really yeah he's a, he's a huge talent and, and the Cowboys would be a much worse team as we've seen in fact uh, this last season uh, without him um, one can only hope that the injury hasn't taken too much off his kind of his talent level um, in the long term I mean he, if the Cowboys are ever going to rebuild themselves into a proper playoff team Prescott is the person to build around, so it's good to see him getting uh, his due, and certainly given the the lack of other kind of big QB options that are available at the moment, it's a it's a smart move from the Cowboys' point of view as well. The bill was only getting higher each year, and that's actually I think there was talk about the contract he would have got last year was less than this. So, you know, even with a decreasing cap, if you're a superstar franchise quarterback and you literally had an injury to prove how much he means to your team, then uh, you get to name your price. And Dak Prescott's a very happy boy right now. Pittsburgh quarterback Ben Roethlisberger restructures one year, fourteen million, so that it frees up space for the team. We mentioned at the end of last season, like he just had a bizarre, like cap situation where he was going to cost something like thirty million if they if they got rid of him. Um, so this this kind of frees him up for that. I, I'm not sure what we saw last year would make me think. Yeah, do you know what Pittsburgh? Good good shout. We'll have Ben be the solution for another year. I suppose this allows them an exit strategy away from it and they can start looking at developing behind them. I, I, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't impress me much, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I, I think to, to some extent, you know, there was an on-off again, exchanging of press releases. And to be honest, for Ben Roethlisberger, that's a very appropriate way to deal with the end of his career, where it's like, oh, I might be injured or I might not be injured and all that nonsense we've dealt with him. So for it to be full of dramatics, for it to then just be a... You know, about a five million reduction in the end, and then to get rid of some of the money that would go onto the cap. Uh, otherwise, if he does retire after this season, mm-hmm. it's a very, you know, it's a very big Ben way to deal with business. And uh, Levante David has uh, resigned with Tampa Bay, two years, twenty five million. To be honest, look, he's played really well for them. And like Chris Godwin, they're in a win now mode. So why let your, you know, your elite veteran linebacker go? You know, I think for Tampa Bay, the future doesn't matter. It's all about those rings right now. Cuts, Washington cut uh, Alex Smith, we mentioned that. I also extended Tyler Heineke because he's the solution. Two years, $8.25 and they've tendered QB Kyle Allen. Kansas City, uh, in uh, partially expected, partially not expected, have cut uh, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, uh, both top-end options. Well, I say Schwartz is top-end option. Fisher's probably top 
seven, eight of his. But they're very good, and the issue is that they both got serious injury questions. Uh, Schwartz was out from about week five onwards with a back injury, and he had been essentially an Ironman up to that point in his career. Fisher had one or both of his ACLs go uh, late in the season, so both would be question marks for being ready to go at the start of next season, but this is a big change around for Kansas City team that definitely felt the um, felt the pinch on the offensive line when it came to the Super Bowl that just came. Yeah, and their center is a free agent, so it's very possible that the only player they'll have from their championship team is uh, Dr. Tardif. So <laughs> it's, you know, like Patrick Mahomes, we, we saw his mobility was affected by injury, uh, unless they've been drafting. Well, I know they have drafted some guys to replace these guys, but uh, you have to be a little bit concerned if a, as a KC fan about the, the level of protection Mahomes might get. But like, look, with both these guys, maybe they'll be staying on the free agent market for an extended period as their injury status is updated or not. So maybe these guys might be brought back if um, they aren't picked up. But given their respective CVs, there is a chance that a you know a wannabe contender or a team with a young quarterback is willing to to pay out you know top dollar right now to get have the option to basically have them um, for this season yeah. or beyond. I think that's the thing. It's going to depend on what the market for them are coming off the injuries. I think I imagine that the plan for KC is to hopefully get one of these guys back uh, on a cheaper deal. But like you said, they are two pretty top-end talents that, like, if they are healthy, it'll be hard to see them coming back on a cheaper deal. Apart from possibly Schwartz is a good bit older and maybe he might want kind of continuity system and he had he had played very well at kind of all-pro level for the Chiefs for a couple of years, so uh, we'll see how that goes. Cap reduction has had a couple of interesting moves on the rosters. Uh, New Orleans, Philly, Vegas are just chopping down trying to find some space. A uh, couple of ones have traded out. I suppose we'll go through a few of those just before we get on to our... <laughs> you know, this is our free agent primer, but we're like, geez, a lot's already happened. Indy trade a 2021 third and a 2022 conditional second for Carson Wentz from Philly. The second come at first if they either make the playoffs or he plays more than 75% of snap. It's an interesting choice. Uh, it's not a choice I would mate uh, <laughs> Indianapolis obviously kind of in a win now type of mode they feel they've got the team surrounding to uh, to have a god could you imagine if they still had luck yeah like they've got a good line Philip Rivers was good but not great and they were close they think they can get it out of Wentz this is a decent enough like this is a good deal if they think they can actually get the production they want out of it because if he plays more than 75% of snaps and they're a playoff team and stuff then like a second and a second is probably worthwhile or whatever. Yeah, like, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this goes. I wouldn't rate it at all. I don't know why you'd be going all in on, on Wentz. Everything coming out of Philly was very bad. I think if you don't have your quarterback, and obviously with Philip Rivers retiring, the, the Colts are literally down to Jacoby Brissett. So, uh, you know, you're always looking for that. And if you think that Carson Wentz can be a franchise quarterback again after being reunited with Frank Reich, their head coach, who was the OC when uh, Philly won that Super Bowl, then... You know, a third and potentially a first next year isn't a big price to pay for that. And I think, you know, you're, you know, is that more of a risk than trying to pick like, you know, like the sixth best quarterback in the draft? Cause like they're expecting like five of them to be gone by the time that they'd pick this year anyway. So it's a really tough position to be in. And with Carson Wentz, there's a level of comfort versus like a free agent option, like say Jameis Winston. So look, I, I, I am like you. I don't expect this to work, but. It's the best situation that Carson Wentz can expect. He's got his old head coach. He's got a good offensive line. He's got decent weapons around him and a good running back. 
look, if he can't make a success of this, then I don't think Wentz is going to be a long-term starter in the NFL going forward. And Wentz is, a, the feeling is last chance saloon. This is his last opportunity to to prove that he's um, of the standard that his, his, his potential made him look like. I mean, it is important to remember that we know that his his absolute upper limit is that he is a Super Bowl caliber quarterback or a kind of a high playoff caliber quarterback when he's at his absolute peak. Now, he hasn't been there for, for quite a long time and his, his lower bound, as it were, is quite low uh, indeed. I think the Colts, and I, I think this does come down to the fact that the Colts have a lot of talent in wide receiver and running back and they really are just missing that, that QB piece and there isn't an awful lot. I mean, there are there are other QBs out there, but it's not likely that the Colts are going to, we're going to be able to pick up, say, a Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. um, or any of the other kind of elite names out there. So, I mean, if you start to go down the list and eventually find Carson Wentz is the, is the name at the top of your QB list, then, yeah, maybe you go for it. I mean, it has the potential to work, and I think that's the most important thing to say. It is likely to not work. You can see the logic, especially with connection to Frank Reich. This, you can see the potential, you can see the upside, but it is it is a little bit... Um, of uh, overpaying for someone who could well, very well be past his peak already. Like, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Like I said, look, if it works out, then Indy got a good price for him. And from a Philly perspective, like, I'd, I'd, I'd take a third and a second for him in a heartbeat. Like, if he happens to work out, grand, but it didn't seem to be working out in Philly. So it could work out well for both ends. Uh, New England traded 2021 fifth for... Trent Brown, offensive tackle, and a seventh rounder from the Raiders. Yeah. Fucking New England are always going to do this kind of shit, aren't they? Like, okay, so Trent Brown, who they got for 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 nothing from San Francisco, that goes on to win a Super Bowl with them playing left tackle, then gets a jumbo contract from Vegas, which means New England got a compensatory pick back for him. Is now going back to the Patriots with his signing bonus already paid for by the Vegas Raiders for fuck. Nothing. This is ridiculous. Bill Belichick is is cackling his his evil his evil laugh, and uh, <laughs> as the plan finally comes to fruition that he started two years ago. Uh, no, I mean it's it's as a Pats fan, it's a great pick. He's an uh, immense talent when he's healthy. He's had two seasons of not exactly playing all the time, which might be a little bit of a concern. Although yeah. last season was more about weird things like COVID and uh, the strange IV incident where he was hospitalised because of a, a botched IV. When he's healthy, he is a, a high-level uh, offensive tackle. He gives them a lot of options as well, kind of moving personnel around. A big part of that Super Bowl-winning O-line. So I, I think it's really good. From the Raiders' point of view, apparently this is a cap thing that they were looking at having basically zero cap space whatsoever. So they were just going to cut him, and then the Pats come and offered them a fifth-round pick, and they were like, yeah, yeah. sure, why not? And as I was saying it to Sean before, you know, I do kind of get the feeling like, you know, the Pats, they had the, the Anna's Horriblists last year with the opt-outs and the money of Tom Brady, but now they're fresh and clean, got a bunch of money. A bunch of the players that won those Super Bowls are now free agents or available for trade because of cap issues. You know, I got a feeling that it's all going to come together for New England in 2021. Oh, God, no. As long as, long Please, as they can no. find... <laughs> If they can find the quarterback, yeah. it's not going to be fun yeah. to be in the AFC East again. That's, that, is, that is the big if here. Miami have also decided to uh, add some offensive tackle stuff. So they traded the seventh for uh, Isaiah Wilson and a seventh from the Tennessee Titans. Isaiah Wilson has been a bit of a failed experiment. So first, first round pick becomes a seven round sw- pick swap after swap. one year. That's, <laughs> like, that's some depreciation right there. So. Uh, He's like game, 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 GameStop stocks after the initial <laughs> push up. 
<laughs> so they're now back up to like 200 so maybe that's uh, all coming back maybe Miami maybe Miami have the, the diamond hands and they'll be making all the money uh, this time next year and finally uh, we got a signing Arizona have signed defensive end JJ Watt two years 31 million with 23 million guaranteed rumors that swirl around this are that he was offered more money uh, slightly better contracts elsewhere but he wanted to go there this is after Houston released what at his request because you know when it's the face of your franchise but it's uh, an old white dude you do that for them without <laughs> getting anything in return even though you definitely could have gotten something in return for him but when it's Deshaun Watson and you're just killing his career you're like no we'll, we'll cross you so JJ Watt like the, the, the only the only responsible thing now is to trade Deshaun Watson for Kyler Murray and just let Arizona become <laughs> that place yeah well, that makes sense to me we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson in a moment but uh, look for JJ Watt yeah I think it was a bit unusual that they actually gave it to him but obviously he's I suppose he's so beloved in the city uh, and obviously they're in a situation where they're doing a full rebuild anyway and he's obviously not the future of the franchise um, unlike Watson who is obviously young enough that he will be gay, could be there for 10 years potentially and yeah for him you know, he's obviously wanted to go to a contender. Arizona probably aren't the biggest contender out there, but they were offering a lot of money. And obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is there, so maybe there was a bit of a relationship there. And for him, yeah, it just kind of feels like, uh, you know, he did the whole media circus, and it's like, oh, who, where am I going, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I assume Arizona must have given him the most love in terms of, like, you're going to be the uh, face of it, our what franchise. Was shit about, like, thing he's the powerhouse, the... Not- Thing he's the powerhouse of the cell. Wasn't he posting that and everyone was trying to work out what it meant? Other nonsense like that and like comparing, you know, it takes me, it takes me like an hour to pick like food on like uh, whatever their food delivery service is. So free agency is hard and it's just, yeah, it's JJ Watt. Yeah. There was a lot of like empty noise around the whole thing. But like, look, if he plays at the level that we know he can play at as part of a rotation at defensive line, then maybe he can have an impact. But you know, given the level of talent on the defense as a whole, I'm still not sure it's going to turn them into a, a defensive powerhouse by any stretch. Our, our almost customary off-season JJ Watt hate. Uh, let's move on and have a look at the free agency preview. All right, guys, so free agency in a nutshell this year looks to be kind of, there's a lot of skill position players uh, on offense, particularly a lot of running back and wide receiver options. A surprising amount of, like, experienced offensive line there. There's not much at quarterback, but, like, we're kind of, there's, there's one or two bits that might be in uh, mm. tradie spots more than will be in free agency. What's very interesting is there seems to be a tendency, like, we, we, we've talked the last couple of years, that running backs, people don't tend to want to be giving running backs their second contracts, a lot of kind of, you know, essentially draft them, release kind of setups. So it's not all that surprising to see some RB1s on the market. But the last two or three years have shown an awful lot more first and second round wide receivers being able to step in and play immediately. Uh, a lot more, because that was, that was historically always the thing that they said it takes, particularly a wide receiver, a, a year or two to get up to speed. So that might be freeing up because, like, you know, realistically, if you're losing... 15, 18, 20 million off where you thought your cap space was going to be. Do you want to be paying, you know, 15, 16 million for some of these wide receivers if yeah. you think that you can get replacement levels? So you see a few of that. On the defensive side, we've got a lot of D-line available, but, you know, <laughs> people prioritizing the ones that are very hard to get their hands on. So no, like, safety cornerback kind of stuff for the most part. Like, that's how I look at it for the most part. Yeah, like, I think the wide receiver point you make is very valid. And I think to a certain extent, it probably reflects the fact that the 
NFL, in terms of offenses, has moved towards where the college game is rather than vice versa. There's so many schemes right now that are much closer to what the college was during that period where wide receivers were failing so much. But if you're coming from, if they're so much more similar now, then of course you'd expect wide receivers to be more comfortable with the, let's just say, more simple schemes that teams are rolling yeah. out there more often now. Yeah, like you need you need, you, you need five, not a full root tree, and you need like two double step moves. You need to know three depths rather than eight. Like it's, there's, a, there's an awful lot more ability to, to, to plug and play. And I think particularly now when there's, question marks over you know who who should hold on to it is probably that wide receiver one well maybe sometimes wide receiver two rather. it's interesting particularly now that uh, I, I'm significantly more interested uh, given that we released both our tackles yesterday so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be watching I'll be watching that section with a bit more uh, intensity than I was expecting quarterback okay let's start with quarterback uh, Carolina Chicago New England Washington Denver are the obvious options here Denver's still partially pretending uh. that they know what they're doing but yeah like, let, let, let's just Admitted. Top options are trade options in this. We got Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. Deshaun Watson, very publicly, we've discussed him already, wants out. They don't want to let him out. That'll be a nightmare to try and get your hands on. Russell Wilson, it's a bit more interesting. It's been a bit more subtle. Relationship is strained. He said he's tired of getting hit. He clearly has some dislike for the scheme they had. He liked the offensive coordinator that they let go. He doesn't like Pete Carroll's. Let's just run it for three and a half quarters and then when we're behind we'll let Russell Wilson take a shot at those are your two by a distance top options I've got a feeling that neither of them are going anywhere until at least like a week or two into the into the season I don't see I don't see Wilson moving I should probably talk about Wilson as the resident Seahawks fan like look like when I initially heard these rumors I was kind of like look it's just off season you know people kind of jostling around you know politics whatever like that and I do genuinely think it's not likely that he will get traded this offseason. But you do get the sense that the relationship there is a lot more strained than you would like. That the mid-season pivot after a couple of games against Buffalo and Arizona where he had basically nightmare games through a load of picks. They just pivoted back to the run-first defense Pete Carroll way. And that Russell Wilson views himself as a, you know, Hall of Fame, you know, best-of-all type quarterback. And like if you're being built, like if they're building an offense around the running game, that's not, you know, doesn't really make sense. Now, to me, that doesn't really make sense overall because like Tom Brady is literally the greatest of all time. And down the back half of his career where he had some of his most success in terms of Super Bowl wins, they were playing pretty unimaginative, fun, unfun football. And, you know, maybe he should, you know, take note of that. But like, I think the biggest problem here is like, I think a team like, Chicago, who are particularly desperate by all accounts, uh, or perhaps Carolina, uh, but I think Chicago, the one being linked most of them, is that they just don't have the trade capital that we required to get a person like Russell Wilson. Like, like the only blue chip player that's like a, an up and comer on their like squad is like Roquan Smith. Like, are, is a team really going to value like a who who has to rebuild if you trade away your franchise core quarterback? really going to value someone like Khalil Mack or Akeem Hicks who are on the back end of their career, really. And the Chicago Bears have like a 20, 20 overall pick. I just don't see the, you know, natural match between um, draft capital and potential players, including, of course, a replacement quarterback and, you know, the value that you would need to send to Seahawks for them to what even consider you, trading Russell Wilson. What do you think it would take to get him? I think to get him, you're probably looking at, what, probably at least three first-round picks or a player who would be a close approximation of a first-round pick to even get started on that and you would probably need to send a few other picks just to kind of make the whole thing like, work. It, it, 
if, if, if the Jets came to you now and said, second overall pick, Sam Darnold, and our first round pick next year, would you say no to that? I think they would say no to that. I think, you know, you'd need to throw in probably another player, maybe. What, what, what about, we'll, we'll, we'll get over the discounting of it then. What about we said, Sam Darnold, the second overall pick, the Seahawks first round pick back to them <laughs> that you gave for the for Jamal Adams, and then whatever, a second or a third next year, that you basically get two first round picks, like if uh, they, recovery if they, project, and a second or something. If they gave the second overall pick and they reversed the Jamal Adams trade effectively and true in Sam Darnold, that is probably the type of one that would tempt them. But the biggest problem yeah. there is that Russell Wilson, through his agents, already indicated there's only four teams that he wants to get traded to, apparently. And the Jets were not on that list that was officially, well, that was publicly released. You know, the teams that, like, there's also the other problem, yeah, the teams that he's saying he wants to get traded to, none of them have enough. And in the Cowboys yeah. case, it's, it's too late now anyway. Um, none of them have enough to really make this make sense. And, yeah. you know, unlike Deshaun Watson, um, who I'll let Sean talk about, I don't think Russell Wilson would be willing to, to take the reputational and financial damage required to force a move in the offseason. So, look, the Seahawks, like, like, you know, Pete Carroll has so much control in that team that he's one of the few people who could probably make it happen if he just is genuinely sick of Russell Wilson. But I just don't see how you could do that without making yourself a whole lot weaker this season and going forward. Deshaun Watson shot is obviously the main one that we've talked about quite a bit. Like, top-end talent, I think it'll be difficult to get him out of Houston. I think they'll look for a lot. Look, if he is the difference maker, he's probably worth getting that kind of money in there and he's on a he's on a fixed deal that they'll have paid some of already for the next three or four years so like I don't like I again my problem is I just don't see Houston letting him go I think Houston they sound like they're pig-headed enough to just leave him sitting if he wants to sit and just not giving into him yeah I mean this this is the unfortunate kind of sense that you're getting from the situation that the the Texans organization is willing to kind of sit him on a bench for the year, which I, I didn't think they would. I thought he would be too valuable. And I, I do kind of think that the closer we get to the season and the longer it goes unresolved, and if the Texans don't necessarily find someone else to, to be a kind of a, a starting QB for them or that those kind of options begin to begin to decline, that there becomes a panic. There might become a panic mode where eventually there will just be a day when the thing is possible and a deal is made and, and he gets out of there. Certainly, I think he's going to push for it. To the very end, I can't see this relationship being repaired, given all that's happened, not just the fact that the team is now utter garbage, and they've got rid of every single good piece uh, around him, but the fact that the actual relationship with, with management has just taken so many hits. I think, I, I hold out hope that, it, that there would be some dramatic day, maybe close enough to the beginning of the season, uh, when a deal is made and they some team throws their entire franchise uh, at the Texans' feet, uh, and they decide to give him uh, to Sean Watson. In terms of places yeah. he might end up, I've, I've heard the likelihood is they, they probably won't want to keep him in, allow him to stay in the AFC. They'll try and kick him over to the NFC, um, which does narrow down certain options. I think something like the Carolina Panthers would be a really interesting place given the, the quality of the coaching that they have and the fact that a, that's an interesting and kind of exciting project. It certainly would be something yeah. that Sean Watson would kind of look towards, but... Yeah, there's a lot of ifs and buts and maybes. It's just as likely he's going to spend a year sitting on the sidelines. But, I mean, I have to think at some point someone in Tekken's organization is going to say, look, this guy, can you imagine what we get for him? We can rebuild our entire team in this one trade. And the other, when the alternative is that he just doesn't play for us, um, I can't see what the I can't see how that trade-off works other than to like, 
punish your black slave for demanding to, to escape your your terrible yeah. uh, deal that you've given him. But I, th- I, th- I, th- yeah. I think he has. He either played college ball or he he's, he's definitely got a Carolina connection as well. That that would make sense. And again, sorry, uh, just just to say, similar to the discussion I had with you about Russell Wilson, I think the Jets again are one that have the ammunition that might work, and I could see him setting up in New York and being happy with New York. But uh, yeah, it is it is just a. At what point will the will break on the other side of like as valuable as he is to have? If he won't play for you, he's worth zero as a franchise quarterback. If he won't be your quarterback, you know. Yeah, I think, but I like to, at the moment they might just go look. Maybe he's saying he won't play, but you know, we we don't have to deal with that right now. But w- once we like once we get deep into the preseason or near the season coming up or after games are being missed by Watson, you know that's going to be a really tough place for that front office because. You know, now you know it, it seemed like easy street to kind of go. Well, we're not going to let him go. But once you have you know no quarterback that out there, and you're playing like Geno Smith um, as a starter, or Jameis Winston, or or Fitzmagic, or whoever you manage to find, you know things are going to get pretty nasty pretty quick there. And for Deshaun Watson, it's all like I think right now it feels like you know if he wants to make this happen, he can make this happen. I don't see. Houston being like a, a Cincinnati type situation with Carson Palmer back in the day, they will eventually give in. So it's very much a game of chicken right now between these two people. Yeah, and like we said, QB's a bit light here. So, like trade people, you've got Sam Darnold, Jimmy Garoppolo, Marcus Mariota, your actual free agents like Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton. I like Fitzmagic as a bridge guy, but I don't know where. I think Fitzmagic might end up in Denver. Basically, look, there's not a lot really going around at, uh, at quarterback outside of having to spend a lot on a trade Jameis Winston fantasy players would like to see him start somewhere but I don't think any GM or head coach wants him <laughs> Dalton might find a backup position that he could pressure so he could be a Denver type running back fullback um, needs for public teams Jets Pittsburgh and Latin Miami I'm thinking off the top of the head Aaron Jones is your big name here primarily back coming off two over a thousand yard seasons can catch can run um, never been a full-time starter which can be a flag against but also means that he has less wear or tear chris carson is your kind of heavy body bounce guy but he's got an injury history kenyon drake who looked a bit better in arizona but like hasn't really been consistent leonard fournette who's big slow had a nice super bowl but you know that to, to, to pick him you'd have to kind of forget the previous three and a half years of his play and lev bell who you know, was on the Chiefs. I suppose you could say he made a Super Bowl, but like, I don't know. Of, 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 of all the people here, I know Aaron Jones is the big one. Of all the people here, I would be taking a shot on Marlon Mack. I still think he's got yeah. something in the tank. Yeah, like I think, like, like when you look at the top two, like the top guy, Aaron Jones, I think there's genuinely a, a really exciting opportunity there to kind of basically fix a backfield in one go. Obviously, as mentioned, he isn't someone who started full-time in Green Bay, but to some extent, that felt like a Shanahan scheme tend to not have uh, like a, a single back. But whenever they did play him as basically the lead back, he was incredibly productive. He put up a load of yards, and he has a really... Like, I think the big thing with him is that not only does he do the one-cut zone-blocking scheme running really well, which is just basically half the NFL at this point, but he has the explosive upside that when he makes the hole, he can go for the touchdown from anywhere on the field. And I think you saw that during the playoffs for like a couple of plays like that. So I think for, for any team that 
has a new head coach, like say in the Jets, who is going to run that scheme that's very similar to what Green Bay are running and what San Francisco and similar are running, then Aaron Jones is just a really good way to jumpstart that project and, and, and you know, spend that in free agency rather than draft picks and then, you know, like have a, have a compliment to your, you know, probably rookie quarterback in that case. Um, the rest mm-hmm. of these guys, there's various red flags with them. Like Chris Carson is a tough runner. He has over a thousand yards a couple of times, but he has these injury histories. He's probably the only other guy I would like trust as a, a potential or be one, like just hand in the backfield and, and let them go. And then Kenyon Drake, Fournette, Bell, these are all guys with flags of serious types. So I think you are right. If you're looking for a running back, probably a better year to kind of go for your mid range option, part of a rotation guy, your guys like Mac, mm. your guys like James White, Mike Davis, and maybe even like someone like James Connor, who, who could perhaps, you know, have a comeback. No. <laughs> no, James Conner is terrible. James Conner was one of the worst, if not the worst, running back, starting running backs on any team last year. The most important thing is that there is a there's an elite fullback option in Kyle Juzek available. So that's the really the, that's where the real <laughs> value honest, is this offseason. To, to, to be honest, I'm super interested in that because uh, as of, as everyone who listens to the thing knows, we've, I've I'm sorry, I know the second I say this is going to be snipped, but I've, <laughs> I've I have a long term love affair with Sausage. He is the best fullback uh, in the game, and he is. In Unfortunately, retired this year to move to being a full-time sheriff's deputy and stop being the Kansas City Chiefs uh, monster fullback who would always show up in wrestling gear to to, to practices. So we're in the market for a fullback and Kyle Juszczyk could be that guy. You know, we're not going to talk about the day, but there is a bunch of old reclamation projects if you need them, like Peterson or or Todd Gurley. He's not even that old, he's only 27, but he feels ancient. Frank Gore Uh, is out there. Frank Gore is probably still out there. So if you want a veteran, they're out there as well if you're interested. But uh, yeah, there, there's some decent mid-values like White and Duke Johnson. But uh, yeah, if you're going high-end, you want a bona fide starter, I'd probably either go to the draft or pick up Aaron Jones, maybe Chris Carson. Yeah, there's probably, there's probably some trade options out there as well. Wide receiver and tight end, most teams could always do with a bit of this, particularly because I think a load of them are going to be releasing. Detroit, Chicago, Arizona, Indy, New England in particular. Just give a list of a few of them because there's actually quite a lot in this group and we can just talk about ones that we like. Kenny Galladay... Will Fuller, Hunter Henry, Juju Smith-Schuster, Johnu Smith, Zach Ertz, T.Y. Hilton, Smokey Brown, Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel. There's a lot of people here, and I think we're going to see more as well. I think this is where we're going to see, this this year just in particular, I think we're going to see wide receivers not getting paid as much as they would expect to get paid any other year because of the cap thing and because there just happens to be a lot of them coming out simultaneously. We got a lot of like wide receiver one skill sets that are either older or have some injury history stuff so like Galladay is good Fuller is very good for the couple of games he plays uh, he lasted most of last season but then he got done for Ped so I think we know exactly why he lasted most of last season Juju Smith-Schuster is super duper young and has had great production but like you know was he bad recently because of you know Doc Hodgins and Fat Roethlisberger throwing at him or has he lost it like T.Y. Hilton has been very good, but also his injuries. Like, there's a lot of talent here, but there is question marks around a lot of it. There's an awful lot of, like, wide receiver ones that could be excellent wide receiver twos if the price was right. Yeah, so so obviously the Pats have significant problems with their receiver core, and they've had it for a few years. So I've been looking. This is the position from the, the New England blogs and the various podcasts. This is what most New England fans are watching is, is who do you pick up at wide receiver. I mean... 
I, there was a lot of excitement when it, uh, it was announced or it was discovered that Kenny Galladay was going to not be franchise tagged. I think he's a really excellent wide receiver. Obviously, the the injuries could be a bit of concern from last season, but I, I think he is definitely the potential to be a, an elite wide receiver in the right team. Obviously, the Detroit Lions are, are not that. So he would be one I would be looking for. Obviously, Fuller, but again, I think there's much more concerns there in terms of injuries and, and the various um, other issues with him. So Galladay, to me, would be better than Fuller. Someone like Smith-Schuster is, is just not a wide receiver one. I think he's a great option to have, and certainly he showed last season... Um, that he can be a part of a good core. He can be the guy who delivers um, when other people aren't delivering. And he is quite young, and, and he's a lot of a future ahead of him, but I can't see him as, as a wide receiver one. I mean, all these there's some great names here. There really are. Curtis Samuel, Corey Davis, Hilton Brown. I mean, everybody, all of them are capable of having um, great games, uh, putting up good numbers. I mean, the question, I guess, is consistency. We Maybe none of these have really shown either through injuries or through just kind of general ability that the real kind of consistency you might want as well. So if I was the the Pats management, I would pick up all of these players <laughs> and just build the best receiver core in the entire world. No, Julian Ellen's come back. He's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there is, there's, a, there's a lot of things to pick through here, and I would hope the Pats would at least pick up one or two of these proper top-level uh, wide receivers because they're really there is nothing going on there at the moment. T.Y. Hilton just feels like a Pats pickup to me. Like, you know, that kind of... Oh, he'd was, be great, wouldn't he? Oh, yeah, like what, like, what was good a little bit older on, like, it's almost like you're kind of like, you know, he's not, he's not Randy Wallace, but like that kind of Randy Wallace type. You know, the has had a career with a franchise, but that franchise isn't up to a ton now. So comes in and has like a good two years to cap off their their career in uh, in, in New England. I, I, I get I get that vibe immediately off that. And also, yeah. John, John Brown feels a little bit like it as well. But I think it to be one or the other. I don't see it being both, but yeah. Yeah, and I think the big thing is that there's there's depth beyond even the guys we talked about, like guys like Marvin Jones, Nelson Aguilar coming off a good season, Rashard Higgins from Cleveland has kind of got some upside. You know, Alshon Jeffrey was released by the Eagles. AJ Green is out there again if you want to relive the glory days. So yeah, there's lots of options that go of that kind of mid-tier, fill the roster, wide receiver two, three. Uh, but the you know the wide receiver one, you know, like obviously Galladay, Fuller, those are your types of upside guys. Mm-hmm. And then a tight end, Hunter Henry. He's always kind of flattered to deceive in terms of his hype has never really lived up to his actual production. Never over had over 700 yards in a season, but he is a solid all-round tight end. He blocks pretty well. And then Johnny Smith is kind of your X-factor tight end. He's never had huge production, but every time he does get the ball, he seems to do something explosive with it. And he's also an incredibly good blocker. Apparently the Seahawks have a lot of interest in him. So he's probably like the intriguing option there. And then there's a lot of trade rumors around Zach Ertz from Philly, though... I wouldn't be that excited about him at this stage in his career, but look, if you want a veteran name, um, we have seen veteran tight ends do well in the back end of their career. Maybe he gets rejuvenated if he gets to leave Philly on a trade somewhere. I know, I thought he looked proper done last year, but we'll see. To close off the offensive side, offensive line, pretty much everyone always needs this. Since he's Chicago, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, KC, Washington. Trent Williams tackle, number one offensive uh, PFF tackle is uh, there and he's available. Corey Lindsay, center, really good for Green Bay, should be fine. He's only 30. Joe Tooney, guard, is always Pro Bowl level production. Presumably he's going to get paid. You're hoping that you kind of avoid the problems that have happened to line from New England going uh, elsewhere, not living up. Uh, David Andrews, very good center, 
Matt Fenner, Flexible, Phil Nuevo, Austin Reader, Bushel O'Cobb, Kevin Zeitler are all there. And then you've also then got your, like we discussed earlier in the in, in, in the cut section, you've got both of uh, both of the Chiefs tackles are now going to be in there as well. Like there's there's an awful lot of veteran offensive line available this year. And yeah, like it, it'll be interesting because even though we're in a, a kind of a tight cap situation. I think line is one of the areas that might hold its value because there's just there's you know there's there's no point in not protecting your your assets and there's an awful lot of assets out there that are going to need some protection. Like Mahomes is going to be looking for people to come in there wherever you get you know your landing spots for if a Watson gets traded, you're going to need to make sure you got a left tackle locked up. There's a lot of lot of pressure on this. I think yeah, I think we'll see a lot yeah. of movement like- here. I think you're you're right. I think these guys will will get paid somewhere. Maybe not quite as much as they were, but it is also a case where you know because offensive line have been so rare, they've got so much money in recent years that they've ended up being a lot of the cap casualties to kind of make things make sense this year. Mm. Um, so you've ended up with guys like Mike Rammers, obviously the guys from Kansas City, and other guys end up getting cut. Or Bobby Massey didn't pick up his option. So I think there'll be plenty of options. There'll be a lot of turnover, but the amount of money that you'll save in the end probably won't be that large. I think most of these guys are, you know, once you get beyond the top of them, it, it, you know, they're all solid, decent, nothing too wrong there. But of course, Trent Williams there at the top, you know, he managed to escape Washington after, a, you know, a very disastrous couple of years after they misdiagnosed his cancer. But he came to San Francisco at 31 and was the number one overall tackle by PFF. He was an elite left tackle, just like you remembered. And that is a true rare commodity in the NFL. So I think Trent Williams can basically ask his price. Now, there are indications that he'd be happy to go back to San Francisco. But if he does manage to make it to neck when the tampering period open, I imagine that the checkbooks will be wide open for Trent Williams, regardless of the cap situation. And he can basically pick where he wants to go. And given what he did last year, and given how we've seen guys like Andrew Whitworth and Dwayne Brown be effective in the twilight of their career at left tackle, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't be willing to make that offer as a, as a, as a GM. From the, from the Pats' perspective, obviously the two big names here are Tooney and Andrews. Um, the expectation, or the hope, I think, is that Andrews will re-sign. He's expressed an interest in staying in New England. His family is settled, and the money situation is probably going to, to work out there. I expect Tooney to leave, though, and he should get a very big payday given that he's in his prime and uh, is rather talented. Uh, we got some edge pieces here. So, obviously, it's the top Shaq Barrett. Huge 27 and a half sacks over the last two seasons in Tampa Bay. Uh, they want him back, but obviously the question is, can they afford to keep him? Uh, Yannick Ngakwe still looked great, still very young. Expect him to get paid pretty well. There's a lot of names on here as well that you'll kind of recognize that have good, sometimes it's an injury risk or whatever, like Bud Dupree, injury risk, but still pretty good production. Trey Henderson had a good season there, but like, you know, was it all him or was it his supporting cast? Then you've got like loads of just, it's just a lot of like, I suppose you say your, 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 your kind of value picture should get production. Matt Judon, Carlos Dunlap, I think Justin Houston is, is, is a free yeah. agent this year as well. Hassan Reddick. And then you've also got, then you've got your like high risk, high reward ones of like, Jadavia Clowney, who I still don't know, everyone still rates really highly because of his draft capital, I'm guessing, but like, he hasn't performed, he's just never put the effort in, but he's still there and he still does get like, the thing is, he'll still get probably six or seven sacks, he'll still have some production, he's just not like a number one overall pick kind of production, like, there's 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 a lot of talent at Edge. And, you know, guys like Kyle, Kyle Vannoy were cut by Miami, there's just a lot of guys, basically, as you say there. I do think like, you know, there is... 
And this is one of those cases where, like, Shaq Barrett has had a really good couple of years after being a part-time pass rusher for Denver. But even, you know, given what he's done, he had a bit of a down year this year compared to his, like, breakout year uh, in 2019. Is he that much better that you need to pay him a ton of money over a Matthew Don or a Romeo Quara or a Carlos Dunlap if you're going for an older guy? I would be questioned with that. Now, for Tampa Bay, it makes sense because they're in win nine mode. There is no future. But if he makes free agency, he might not get the super, super contracts that we have sometimes seen for edge players in recent years. And Yannick Ngakwe is almost like a, a case study of that himself. He got traded twice like last year for diminishing returns. Like this is a guy, you know, maybe two or three years ago, you know, given his age profile, given some of his early production, would be expected to get like ridiculous money. But given the current situation we are in, and given the depth here, maybe they don't quite get the super contracts that they might have expected. Like, I think like the underrated one here is probably Carl Lawson. His numbers aren't perhaps uh, in terms of sacks aren't that aren't that high but in terms of analytics people seem to love him think he's just the, like the prototypical like defensive end does the job um type of thing and maybe it's like the inverse as you say of Clowney, who is all hype um great against the run but just doesn't really do the job fully you kind of have to mm. build your system around him rather than having someone who makes your system better we don't have a lot yeah. in the interior the outside is the, is the main part sean anyone catch your eye in the in the interior, I mean, there's there's not an awful lot going on here. I mean, names, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson would probably be kind of top of that. Names like Shelby Harris, Kwan Short, Sheldon Rankins. There, I mean, the big name, I suppose, that kind of stands out as as the name who would be known to the, the kind of the average NFL fan would be Dominic and Sue. Obviously, he's getting a bit old and hasn't quite had the explosiveness. That is before yeah. he could still be kind of a part of, of a decent rotation if if you were able to to build a system in a particular way and he does have flashes but um, certainly not um, up from there I mean there's there's a few other ones um, to look out for but yeah there's nothing there's no real standout talent um, here yeah. in terms of teams that are going to be looking for them I mean Cowboys Raiders LA Chargers Vikings and uh, if someone wants to join the Houston Texans right now um, <laughs> it's entirely up to them um, I won't stop them but uh, yeah so I wouldn't expect a lot of excitement here um, yeah. a lot of uh, good players but nobody either elite players who are old slash injured or players who never quite got to the elite level Dalvin Tomlinson he's probably the only one yeah as you mentioned in terms of tackles I think he, he he's easier classic big bro, like nose tackle huge guy like elite against the run those guys usually get paid he has a little bit of upside in terms of like pass like he played 50% of downs he does play some pass downs but you know he is that traditional nose tackle just stuff him up the gut and depending what scheme you are that is quite highly valued I imagine he shouldn't have too much difficulty finding a good role and he basically is on in free agency because the Giants basically chose to uh, tag Leonard Williams instead who, who was his tag team partner with the Giants last season so you know we'll see if it ends up being a good choice by them uh, going forward for the Giants They'll, they'll, they'll almost certainly end up with a few extra people coming on at some point here like one that I was just thinking of like if you want to go for name production I'd, I'd, I'd say there's a greater than 50% chance that like San Francisco are going to part ways with D Ford I think there's a few big name under producers that are going to be hitting the market as well so we might see some more people mm. added into this but we'll see we'll see like I, I'd nearly have expected to hear a bit more about that now but I'd say they might be trying to negotiate uh, restructures and seeing what's happening there coverage linebackers slash box DBs so you're kind of you know you're you're in the front 70 types, John Johnson, he's, you know, pretty much what you want at that position these days, so he'll, he'll make sense. There's, you know, 
like someone you'll recognize, Keanu Neal, Denzel Perryman are names you'd know to Sean Gibson. KJ Wright's an interesting one because he, he has good production, but like if you're talking about a like a box linebacker type thing, like or a linebacker that has to track guys, he's already thirty two. Can't be keeping up the speed that much. Like uh, I don't know. It's one of those it might it might be a nice one for a get a get a final year or two on a team friend deal in a in a spot he could chase rings or something i don't know it's yeah. it's it's an interesting mix like yeah like it's not a very deep group but it's not necessarily a group that that like a position that's that's prioritized by the nfl these days like i think if you have an elite linebacker that's great but it's not something that you're gonna pay big money to get in free agency john johnson despite his most generic name of all time has been a really good <laughs> safety for um, the Rams, he's just, you know, he, he plays strong safety. That's what they say he is, but he's really great all-round safety slash linebacker. He basically does it all and has been great in that defensive scheme. Now, we have seen some people, you know, fail after leaving the Rams and kind of having issues moving forward after playing well for the Rams. But uh, I think given what he's done, people should be willing to give that. And J.M. Brown's probably the only other kind of like young upside guy that you can look at. And yeah, once you get beyond that, it's really you're looking at older guys like Kareem Jackson, who, to be fair, does have some really fun splash plays where he absolutely you know knocks the head off some people every every year and kj Wright, look he he is old and but he has high level instincts he always seems to know when a screen is happening and just snuff it out before it even gets started and as a seahawks fan i would love to basically see his he have a soft market and come back to the seahawks uh, on, a, on a reasonable team-friendly contract uh, but yeah when you get beyond that you're looking at like either reclamation guys or guys who've never really been elite like keanu neal nicholas morrow to sean gibson and um, it's just not a very deep group this year Look at the coverage DBs, kind of more your back end quarterback safety in the more traditional kind of tracking back spot. Shaq Griffin is there, young quarterback, Pro Bowl twenty nineteen. Like he doesn't have the interceptions, but you know he does. He does tend to show up on highlight reels. Like he's he's a, he's a good player. Uh, William Jackson again, like played well with Cincinnati. Some injury issues. I'll be honest. There's not there's not a lot here. There's a lot of older players in this yeah. group this year. <laughs> like. Janoris Jenkins, even like Desmond King, I know he's not ancient, but like, you know, yeah, there's just, Pat, like Pat Peterson, I've been reading articles for the last two days about how, oh, geez, the Chiefs are well positioned to grab Pat Peterson. It's like, yeah, I gave a shit about that three years ago. I don't <laughs> give a shit about that now. Like, yeah. you know, Brian Poole, Xavier Rhodes, uh, Malik Hooker is still a decent safety as well. Jason Verrett, like, I'm not sure if I'm confusing with someone else, but isn't he like 46 years old at this point? He's like, actually only 30, but yeah. Okay. A lot, a lot, a lot of older, uh, particularly yeah. when it's a covered CB, that's a risky position in a faster and faster NFL. Yeah, I, I think that that's basically like Sha- Shaq Griffin and William Jackson should have decent markets because they're young and they've also had pretty solid tape, really, you know, somewhere from Pro Bowl to you know above average starter. Um, mm-hmm. Neither of them I would consider to be all pro shutdown type corners, but yeah, I think they've put it up on tape that they should have healthy markets considering, yeah, how thin this position is because you really are looking at the, you know, veteran old guy, you know, patrol, except maybe Brian Poole, who, who's more of a slot guy. So yeah, you have your Janoris Jenkins, you have your... Patrick Petersons, your Jason Verretts, your Richard Shermans, Quinton D- Quinton Dunbar's, you know, your Ronald Darby's. So yeah, there's just a lot of AJ Bowie, like there's just a lot of older guys. Like, and, and when I say old, I just mean like either near or above thirty, because this yeah, is just it just seems like age. a just yeah, like yeah, it's just a position that just seems to with the you know with the success we've seen with wide receivers in that position getting so much younger and more explosive. These guys. I don't know how much ability you have to get around the fact that you just have to be 
faster. You just have to have a certain physical profile. And once you get to a certain age, it becomes more difficult. Now, Xavier Rhodes is an older quarterback who had a comeback year last year after being terrible year four. So there's never... These guys are worth a risk, but I don't think you're giving any of those guys more than like a one or one or two year contract to see yeah. if they can reclaim their, their careers. But uh, yeah, it's a young man's position. So the guys who get paid are the young guys in this in this, in this offseason, I imagine. There's kind of two names that kind of stand out for me here. Uh, obviously, Shaq Griffin, I think he's head and shoulders above everyone else in terms of the potential. His numbers look very good. And I mean, he's not the intercepting type of, of cornerback, but he is the kind of no receptions uh, against me kind of cornerback. And I'd be keeping an eye on him because there are some chat that the Pats may look to him as a replacement for Stefan Gilmore if Gilmore does get traded away, as um, apparently might uh, happen. I mean, the other name then that comes to mind is Xavier Rhodes. I mean, I know he's old, but he did look very good last year. So uh, maybe he's having a, an Indian summer um, to, to keep an eye on. But yeah, it's a kind of position that is all about athleticism and all about kind of the, the things that young people have more than it's more about speed and athleticism than it is about decision making uh, in many situations. So veterans are, are kind of at a disadvantage. So for me, the, the name I'll be looking for here is Shaq Griffin to see what happens to him. Um, and whether or not the, the Pats can steal them uh, from other options yeah. available. Fair enough. And finally, special teams. Look, we've seen the last year or two a huge increase in how quickly teams will move on from kickers and punters, bringing in lots of people for them. There's a couple of names here. Randy Bullock, because his name is fantastic. Uh, there'll be a few other ones moving around, but you don't care that much about them. Yeah, so that's our free agency primer. It's good to know what's out there. And obviously, like we said, there'll be more releases with this cap situation. Um, there's a load of teams that are still over the cap. And the biggest problem is some of them are over the cap and they don't even have 50 players on the roster. There's teams that have 40 players under contract that are over the cap by a couple of million. So there'll definitely be a lot of restructures and movements to happen. But uh, yeah, so any, any other crack with yourselves for the weekend, lads? Not really, no. Uh, <laughs> we've got... That's uh, so our second Pat's Patrick's Day under lockdown coming up, so that'll be fun. Memories. Then, yes. Remember that time we went to pubs and stuff? Yeah. Barely. Yeah. <laughs> be inside a pub in particular, because, you know, obviously there was a, like a brief period in the summer or for a while that you could go outside a pub and drink, but uh, the inside a pub, mm. ah, that's, that's, that, that's quite something. Yeah. Well, so there was like two weeks where everyone who wasn't in Dublin was allowed inside a pub, but... Uh, in Dublin, it's literally been no pubs for a year now. Although we did have a, we did have a good uptick in like people doing uh, takeaway pints and stuff, and apparently that's all coming back now. Basically, I think as, as the weather gets better, more and more people are just going to go out to the parks and to the canals and drink. There's already quite a large number doing that, so we've all gained a, a new appreciation for the great outdoors, you know. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah, I don't know too much plan about by to eat and uh, a couple of drinks. It's the birthday on on Saturday, so. Uh, or sorry, Sunday rather, so that'll be good. We've got Happy a birthday. Code, code coincides ad- advice to everyone out there. Coincides with uh, Mother's Day this year. Not to the American listeners, don't freak out. You've got a different Mother's Day from Europe. But in Europe, if you're a European listener, Mother's Day is Sunday. Just remember. Sent the card already. Nice. Good job. Good job. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm up here, so I've got us covered, so we'll be fine. But yeah. No, apart from that, nothing too much. Just, just chilling out and relaxing. But yeah, I suppose, uh, as always, fire your questions into us. We're, we're a little bit more relaxed schedule-wise at this point because, you know, there's no NFL happening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with draft preview type setup yeah. and a review of what's happened so far in, in the free agency. But for now, bye from myself, bye from Fitz. Bye. Bye from Sean. Bye. This has been all for the Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you next week. Or next week.